Welcome back to the Nassiman Hockey Podcast. After a two-week break, we return the same day Lou Lamorello breaks his silence and speaks to the press. Although, I don't know unplanned. that there was a whole... Un, unpla- unplanned? We, we didn't plan to come back Oh, we day. didn't. We didn't <laughs> plan it. Uh, I'm sure Lamorello had this marked on his calendar uh, for, for some time. He strikes me as that type of guy. But before we get into the the press conference and and some other offseason items that we have planned for for June um i know you said this on twitter and i'm sure people know but maybe the audience that listens um that doesn't follow us on twitter and i don't think we made an announcement through the nhp account um your little announcement uh and your new your new role oh yeah <laughs> i didn't know where you were going with that for a second <laughs> um yeah i Got a new job. I am now the uh, full-time beat reporter for the New Jersey Devils via New Jersey Hockey Now. So, um, pretty cool. How do you see balancing that with not just this podcast, but you know, like your island, your clear like Islanders fandom, and <laughs> you know, like I, I deal with this in my job too. There are certain things I just have to like leave at the door when I sit down for work every day that are my opinion and certain things. Um, I've done this a little bit in my hockey writing too, but for this is a little bit different. The audience is, is so much bigger. You show up, you're able to speak to the GM and the players and coaches and agents and, and different things. Uh, do, do you find that balance is a little difficult or at this point you're a full season and it's, you know, maybe harder in the beginning. Um, I generally speaking for like, since I started, taking the coverage seriously uh, a couple of years back, probably a little bit before we started the, uh, the podcast, this weird sense of professionalism like came over me and you kind of learn to remove your fandom, like abandon it a little bit and just start rooting for other things like storylines. And, and um, you know, one of my favorite things to say, and I wrote this in like my welcome article um, you root for chaos because it creates good storylines, right? So, so you love that kind of stuff. That's a Jeff um, Merrickism. Yeah, right. And um, but other things too. You know, you root for for good people. You root, you root for good players um, or players that have been around and deserve to like. You know, let's say win a Stanley Cup, such as like Joe Pavelski, who's been around forever um, and makes it so far, but you know doesn't quite grasp it. And you just want to see a guy like that finally, you know, claim the ultimate prize. So. Um, yeah, you kind of learn to to remove the fandom and just you know watch the game from a different point of view, um, keep that objective, you know, state of mind, and, and just you know root for content, like root root for good things to write about, and that's just kind of how I see it, and um, it's how it's been for me for a while now, and and I'm excited to be able to do it on a daily beat. That's great. Yeah, and this summer you'll ha- you'll have a uh, plenty of time to dive into whatever odds it ends with the team happens yeah. and going into camp and things like that before the school year starts. Yeah, and uh, this is where you can be a fan a little bit. I think we both let that out. Um, I think we both really try to be objective and think things through. That's a comment that we've gotten from people um, that we both respect, kind of in the Islanders media community. Is you know our, our kind of level headedness and our and our takes at times, and uh, we've certainly a been wrong, and b yeah. people have disagreed with them, and that's fine. That's like the whole purpose of this. Um, 
so it's, it's cool that you're able to do that and uh hopefully here we'll be able to keep that balance for you so that you can still be a fan of the islanders a little bit we don't have to take ourselves i, I think there's a balance of like taking ourselves too seriously yeah and just kind of being being genuine in ourselves and not trying to be something we've battled that i think over the now we're ending season four year three of the show and in year three i can't remember um you know we've tried to balance oh we want to be like this show or we're in at, at any certain time our influences are different you know we're listening to different things you were really big into like a bunch of hockey podcasts for a while i don't know yeah. what your time's like now probably a lot less but you were listening to everything. Um, I still you know, do. I, yeah, I, and it's just listening to 32 Thoughts or STPN shows or even, you know, for me, it's a lot of non-hockey shows. I try to break it up a little bit and see how non-sport shows are putting things together. And uh, I've been really hooked on Smartless and their documentary and the banter and how, how we can bring that to our show and different things like that. But um, this is probably wildly uninteresting to our audience so in in, in respect uh for them we'll move on um although i i don't i don't know that the loop presser is going to be all that much more i was just gonna say so perhaps i was delaying the inevitable uh nothing sandwich we're about to bite into here although i mean there's a few nuggets of of mustard and maybe a pickle in there that are that that tell us a little bit of something and i don't think either of us are keen on i think there's a difference between reading between the lines and galaxy braining uh, some of what he said into who knows what um we'll try to separate that in the show we'll talk about the presser we'll talk about the potential in, in the off season um we have two great guests for next week we're going to leave that as a little bit of a surprise for now um so some of this might be a little bit of a uh repeated next week and some of these questions and some of the things but that's just kind of where we're at as far as um, the off season before July first, we do get to Galaxy Brain a, a little bit, um, in our in our own right. Um, but let's start with with Lou. He gave us the company line. Um, I tweeted this a while back. I I think it was easy to predict. I wasn't even the only one to do it. Um, we have to be better, committed to the coaches and players. Um, goals to win the cup. Any, yep. I mean, there's not a lot to respond to there. Um, but do you have anything to respond, or is it just kind of what you expected? It's it's what I expected. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like you sit there and you say to yourself, "This this can't be really happening again, right?" And I get it, like they acquired Bo Horvat at the deadline and he's like the major ad and it's like do you need more more than that like is like how, how much more do you need and it's like no but you do you need you still need another winger um and, and so you like I said you, you hear it again you wonder can that really be how he feels now you never know with Lou right like he'll he'll say the same thing over and over and over again um you know like he's reading it off of a cue card that doesn't necessarily mean that's really how he feels, right? He's just pleasing the media. Well, he even uh, said could Andrew, be, Andrew, you know? I, I think it was Andrew Gross, if I if I have his voice right. Um, 
I think kicked off the press or at least what was on Twitter. Uh, the Islanders account tweeted it out a chunk of it. Maybe it was only 10 minutes to begin with. I, I obviously didn't get a chance to to listen in on it to begin I with. It but um, it, it, eight to 10 minutes is typically the length of those kind of pressers that they that they send out, maybe like 12. Um, you know, but he asked, you know, why now? Why not closer to clean out day? And I understand the question. Like you have to ask that question. But. I don't know what other answer you expected than what he gave, which was, well, first of all, you know, he's not going to say anything in this presser, right? You know, um, it's all speculation, whether he says something or not until something actually takes place and he's sitting there announcing something. So I don't, I mean, to lose point, he was doing quote work between then and, and now, and he had a lot of word salad about him asking questions and getting answers to questions and, didn't want to take questions from the media because it wouldn't help anything. Um, so he said questions about 25 times in, in one sentence, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand you have to ask that question, but I don't know to what end, like, do you literally just need him to say that? And, well, I and, mean, that, and that's you know, your quote, but and that, this, isn't, thing, a, this like, isn't like a journalistic thing, right? I'm not questioning gross. Or no, no. But, but at like the same time, it's funny because like, I've had this conversation with other writers before. You know, we'll, we'll before, you know, someone sits down at the podium or, or someone starts talking to us about something, we'll say. We're going to ask this question, but we know we're going to get this answer, but you have to ask. It's it's just protocol. Otherwise, you're not doing your job. So that's just like, you know, I, I and and you've seen this before. Um, plenty of people and Twitter is what it is. Right. We, we all know that it could become a cesspool at times, but people will be all up in arms on Twitter about, oh, you, you have to ask the, the the hard questions and you can't get them. You can't let them get away with certain answers. And I don't understand. There's like PR people around and like they won't let you go to a certain point if, if they don't want you to. So especially with the Islanders, especially that with the Islanders right They're They're one of the more difficult PR departments. They crack down a lot more. Um, so it's, it's not as cut and dry as you might think, right? Like, yes, we have to ask the question. Yes. We pretty much 99% of the time know the answer we're also going to get. Um, but you have to do it. It's part of the job. And if you don't yeah. do it and nobody does it, and then you walk away and your boss turns around and says to you, Hey, why didn't you ask the question? And your response is because I knew what the answer was going to be. That's not going to suffice. So it, it, it's, it's an interesting, like, little conundrum that you're you're sometimes in you know like i know what the answer is going to be but you have to ask and you know it might get them frustrated to hear it you know that they're possibly going to be a little bit agitated to have to answer it um but at the same time you also know that they have in the back of their minds that they know it's coming and they probably are going to give you some generic bullshit and whether that is how they really feel or not is irrelevant yeah, well, the what, what was an interesting nugget here was, um, and I was very surprised by this actually. Uh, it I don't know if it makes it worth it, but I think it's something that fans were definitely talking about throughout the season, throughout all the scratches, uh, wondering what was going to happen, wanting to shoot him into the sun, etc. Um, Josh Bailey. There was a little bit more on this than, I, like I said, than I expected. Um, what did Lou say? And do you have any thoughts beyond that as far as 
what it actually means and what a deal could look like or a buyout or or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say anything such as what the plan was, um, you know, how they're going to get it done, but it sounded a lot to me like Josh Bailey has skated his last game in a New York Islanders uniform. Um, whether that means they trade him, buy him out, uh, bury him in the AHL, I, I don't think that's what they're going to do. Um, you know, but he said, we'll figure out how, we'll figure out when. Um, but, you know, we're not going to sacrifice the on-ice product for loyalty. And I thought that that was a big deal. That If, if anything, coming that's away from I mean. this one. That's what I mean. That I think one that's... was the big deal. Do you do you mind if I read the quote very quickly? Go for about, it. About about Bailey. He said, Loyal to me, loyalty to me is a very important thing, but loyalty will never get in the way of impending progress or making whatever decisions I have a responsibility to make. Never. In Josh's case, it looks like maybe it's near the end for here in our situation. Josh and I have, I think, man to man relationship as far as honesty. We will work with him to help him, but my priority is doing what's best for the team. That's a lot more than he said about most things that he's actually announced. Yeah. Um, so I was very surprised, uh, especially that as, as I read that a second time. Um, and I think was well, surprisingly, this wasn't, this part wasn't mentioned on Twitter that it looks like it, maybe it's the end for here. I don't, people weren't, I'm not like digging up. This is John Lane on angel.com where i'm reading the quote from so it's not like people didn't see it like clearly it was enough to put it here i'm sure it's in some other articles too but it wasn't like a i didn't see it as a predominant uh message as as part of the josh bailey comments um but it does seem like one way or another but from from bailey's perspective on at clean out you know i i don't think he wants to sit in the stands i think he made that pretty clear so if he is um sent to Bridgeport, right? If, if, if he can't get traded in the off season, he might not report. I think he wants to play in the NHL. I wonder if he would even report to Bridgeport at all. Um, That's a good point. And, and I think his, I think his comments on wanting to play, uh, in addition to lose comments on, you know, wanting to, I, I forget exactly how you said it when you just read it, but like work with him. I don't think that that means they want to send him down. I think that that means they want to send him away. <laughs> so that's what I think ends up happening ultimately, um, whether that means a buyout and he signs somewhere else um, or they trade him. And look like we, we can galaxy brain this into existence if we want, whether you want to believe it or not, and whether it costs you know, the Islanders sending a draft pick with him. I don't know, but I do feel like there is a place for Josh Bailey to land. Like you're going to tell me the the Chicago Blackhawks can't use a, an experienced NHLer to, to you, at least, you, you know, have just hang out with Connor Bedard when they draft him or, you know, Arizona, the dumping ground where every player goes to retire. Like there are spots for him to land and perhaps there's a team that sees something in Josh Bailey that they feel our system would work for his style. Maybe the style of play the Islanders play 
doesn't work for him, but I feel like, uh, and not me, meaning the, you know, said general manager who's looking to acquire him. Um, I feel like there's a, a place for him here, you know, albeit maybe it's in a limited role, but a role no less. So I, I understand, you know, again, the history, um, the recent history with Josh Bailey, I understand, um, you know, his decline, but I think one way or another, um, everyone's comments as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I th- I'm pretty sure he's uh, played his last day as an Islander. Oh, I, I think that, I mean, Lou also made that clear. It stinks because there was a period when being a Josh Bailey hater made you look like an idiot. Yeah, but it was a very sure. brief, right? It was like two or three years and maybe a playoff run, you know, bits and pieces of playoff runs where maybe he had a good game or he scored the overtime goal. Um, I believe was that game one to the island? Was that against Pittsburgh? Did he score um, that, that, that game one goal? Ah. Uh... I feel like it was Jordan Eberle. In night, I, I just for some perspective here in 1920 in the playoffs, he had 20 points in 22 games. <laughs> the way I heard that was nine, the year 1920, not 2019, 20 season. <laughs> He's 150 years old. Um, no, I, I, it's interesting that, and he had never had. I mean, they had never played more than 10 games before that. And then the next year to 13 points in 19 games, which is still okay for what his, you know, I guess a middle six guy. I mean, I don't remember if he was playing on the top line at, at, in 2021, um, but 20 points in 22 games. I don't know about like the, the, the teams uh, overall, if he had the most points in that particular period. Yeah. He led. Oh my God. He led the team in scoring. During that playoff run, that was three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember that actually. That was uh, and in a Bavillier at fourteen and twenty two. Um, that's post John yeah. Tavares. That's he's playing with who at that time? It was Bailey. It was the Killer Bees. Bailey Bavillier and 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 Nelson. I so. th- that that probably sounds right. Although that top six was in a little bit of a blender. Um, yeah. I think that was the only thing that remained of it, honestly. Yeah, but it's crazy that it, that wasn't that long ago, right? We're holding on to this team's those two runs, really like the three playoff runs. They, they that first run sweep of the Penguins, and then the two runs after that to the to the conference finals, and yet this one player was such a lightning rod the the entire time, no matter what. And you don't want to rewrite history. Like you want, you want to accurately portray what happened. And one of those things as frustrating as he is on a regular basis, that one run, you know, that could have been it. He could have cemented himself as an Islander forever. And maybe we'd be speaking about it different differently. Now, if the team had made it to the final uh, that year, um, and as a point per game guy, he may have been, he may have been someone, I don't want to say it was like con Smythe, but, he was vital to that team's run, uh, apparently, right? It's something we just we've all kind of written off and 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 forgotten. At least I did. So it's interesting that this, you know, he's not he wasn't a seventy point guy or whatever it was, seventy one points that right. one season. It, it was such short lived where he was even a fifty point guy. Um, it was three seasons in a row, and then the one where he was seventy one before Tavares left, 
and where he was an all-star. And yep, it's amazing how all that's changed in, in the season since then that he's just been, you know, terribly aggravating pretty much every time. He might be ice. the most polarizing player in this franchise's history. That's interesting. Um, do you want to pause on that? Who who else would be on that? <laughs> uh, who else would be on that list as we sit sit here before the episode and want to have a short a short show? Um, immediately, <laughs> we might have to we have to we might have to marinate that one and and come back to it with a little bit more research. No, I like it right off the head, right at the top of the head, though. <laughs> okay, give me a name. Well, I, I it's funny. This is this is like a um. This is a lighthouse hockey conversation for uh, <laughs> for weird Islanders because it's. I mean, it it depends on you know long, uh, polarizing as long term Islanders, polarizing as somebody that just showed up and left. Because I immediately think of like Ryan Smith or Thomas Vanek, who had very short stints, but were pretty polarizing. I guess it was because they left; they weren't polarizing like as a player itself. It's a really good question. Maybe we should marinate on. It. I, I I don't I don't have anybody else. In, in the the way I see it is in terms of production, right? Has the moments where you're like, this guy's friggin' amazing, and then has the moments where you're like, what the fuck just happened? That's what I mean. Did I'm trying to think of the Tavares years, mostly because that's what I really remember as like an adult and uh, you know late teenager. Um, I'm, I'm sure some older fans will have you know more memories of, of maybe perhaps some other players in um, in the 90s, but the whole team was horseshit. So I doesn't after 94, <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. But um, maybe Yashin, he got bought out. Yeah. Um, Rick DiPietro is probably yeah, another one. one. <laughs> um, and again, this is like his body f- just couldn't keep up; it fell apart. It, it, he was really good. It, when he was playing, he was good. It wasn't that um, at the end he was playing like shit. But yeah. for the for the most part, um, if he could have stayed healthy, I mean, he was an all star. He got one of his injuries was at the all star game. He was the U.S. goalie in Italy in the Olympics in two thousand six. Yeah. Like he they, at to for other than like a, a really long playoff run or something like that. He was a top goalie for. for I'll a even second. throw little little bit uh, sooner in the timeline. Brian Strom, he had really good moments. You're like, wow, this guy's gonna be good. And you know, you had these moments where you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, what the hell happened to the the 50 point player in his first year or, or his second year? Why is he so shitty now? And, and well, he wasn't making that much money, right? I, I think that's where you, I got like Yashin, I got like Di Pietro, I got like Bailey that are eating up a part of the cap and aren't producing like that part of the cap. Okay. And it's just like, it's just aggravating to watch despite the flashes of what he could do. Even this season, you saw it here and there where, where he was quite good at, at times, but it's just, he could score a goal and then immediately put it into his own net. That's what it felt like watching him play. I frankly I did that the other night in beer league, but it's beer league, you know. I don't get paid any. I pay to be there. It's a little bit different. Um, so it's a, it's 
Yeah, I, I, that's those are the type of players. I guess in the last twenty years, those would be the three that that stand out to me. After two thousand eleven, it becomes a ragtag bunch. I mean, I, and I think there was players like Aposo, maybe. I don't want to rewrite anything. Like I said before, Nelson, where he they, they had they had moments, but the team was so bad. There was nothing riding on the success. Right, the the teams with like Di Pietro, Yash, and even now with Bailey, the teams are on the cusp of something. Perhaps more now than then. Although this does, you know, first round and out in uh, two of the four runs or second round and out feels a lot more like the early two thousands with Laviolette and and some of those guys and Osgood and Di Pietro, whatever, than it does the two conference final runs. But yeah, I think when you're on the cusp of something, there's a lot more at stake. And you become a polarizing player because you're stopping the team from doing something. You're either really bad and you're eating up so much of the cap and you were good at some point and now you suck or your team's on the cusp of something and you're not allowing them to move forward. And that's where the Islanders are, frankly. They right. have $5 million. They, they just need to part ways with him. He's just not useful. They also have a plethora of those players in the lineup that they need to try to figure out a way to to move on from Ross Johnson, for example, who signed forever. Um, he'll wind up being the longest tenured Islander playing the least amount of games uh, in NHL history. It's going to be amazing. Um, back to the presser. Sorokin is also mentioned in here. What does Lemerel say? And we can dive in a little bit into, do you think a deal will get done you know, after July 1st, at, on or after July 1st. Yeah. So, you know, he, he basically said in, in, in short, you know, he is eligible to sign a contract come July 1st. And yes, I'd like to get that done. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. You look at the history, Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pollock, Adam Pellick, all these guys signed early. Um, and they agreed to contracts because they wanted to be here. They agreed to, take discounts because they wanted to be here. They agreed to long-term because they wanted to be here. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Lamorello get that done, especially because he's been known to start building his teams from the net out. Goaltending is the most important position in hockey, but especially to Lou Lamorello. So he um, he's openly stated, yes, he is eligible. Obviously, you know, we all know that that's public knowledge because he becomes a, uh, a free agent next summer. Um, but he also admitted, yeah, I would, I would like to get that done. So doesn't surprise me, you know, Vezina candidate, you know, he's in my opinion, the best goaltender in the NHL right now. Um, why wouldn't you want to lock this guy down? I see a lot of discourse on, you know, Twitter trade him, you know, you can get a haul. Who the hell is going to goaltend then? Like you're not going to depend on Verlama for 50 games. It's just not going to happen. Um, yeah, you need, you, you know, need not, to save, I, right. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying you're, you're, you thought that you had a horrible season last season. <laughs> like it's not going to be good if you let Sorokin go. And that's no slight to Varlamov. That's just, you know, Sorokin's just in a different stratosphere right now. Varlamov is an excellent one B backup, if you will. Um, he's great for 30 games, which I think they'll get, they're going to need him for next season. But Sorokin's going to get you the bulk of the wins that you are looking to get. 
Um, and that's not going to be just for next season. That's going to be for the foreseeable future. If they sign him to an eight-year deal, you know, the, the conversation is, oh, how good is that contract going to age? Look, there's, yes, plenty of teams who sign players for eight-year contracts who know by year five, this isn't going to be good. But they do what they have to do in the moment. Sorokin, however, has this freak athleticism that he has the the opportunity to age gracefully. He's only going to be 27. Or is is he 27 already? He's 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 going to be either 27, maybe 28. Um, I could see him lasting throughout that contract. It's not it's not far fetched, you know. The uh, you're, you're muted. His Mark Andre Fleury lasted, <laughs> you know. I that's that's the way I see it. Up and so, up and downs and and things like yeah. that too. I, I but think I, I think with, that he's at his peak. I think he's better than Mark Andre Fleury ever was. And, the, and Mark Mark well, Andre Fleury is fantastic. But I mean, he won. He recently, very recently, won the Vezina. So let's hope uh, until Sorokin has one under his belt. And he, he's nominated this year, so we'll see. Just pure skill. Um. Pure skill, it's possible. I, I want to see the wins. It's hard to say just on skill and athleticism, and I understand that. But I want to see the, um, I want to see him in the playoffs full time. We really haven't seen that. Varlamov was the goalie that that brought the Islanders to those conference finals. I, I want to see Sorokin do it, and he's in the regular season. He's proven it. But the wheels came off a little bit. The Islanders in front of him did not help him against the Hurricanes this year, and. He couldn't save him last year. And I have a question about, about some of that later. So I want to hold off there. But what I will say about Sorokin and, the, and a possible deal, I don't think you're worried. About, if it's an eight-year deal, I really don't think you're worried about years, maybe even five, six, seven, eight. You're really just worried about the first half of that contract, which is going to be, you know, he's he's in his prime or getting into his prime now with Barzell and Horvat's also 27. Um, you have some some-ish younger players, Dobson, whatever. That's really the window. Is I think Sorokin more so than Barzell and some of those other players. It's the next four years. You need to, as long as you have that goaltender, you can win playoff series. Again, I, I do want to talk about the construction of the roster and this year's playoffs and things in, in a second. But Sorokin is a key part of that. And if he has an eight year deal, the next four years are critical. After that, he's in his, you know, he's 32 plus. You never know. Things just start happening um, in, in your 30s, especially as a goaltender. It doesn't mean it can't happen. Look at Flurry. He's continuing to play great. He won the Vezina very late in his career. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can hold up playing that many games. Um, Hopefully they're going on a bunch of playoff runs and he, you know, and it's playing a lot of hockey, but it does, does break it down a little bit. Speaking of the goalies um, and, and some other players, and we'll get to the coaches in a second. I know it's a little bit out of order here for you, James, but you know, I said top uh, Lemerle also said top priority is the team's UFAs, Parise, Engvall, Varlamov and Mayfield. It sounds like he wants to bring all of them back and probably the most, maybe the two polarizing players here are Mayfield and then Engvall in that in that order. Are you surprised that 
if we're reading it correctly, that Lamarillo is planning to bring back Mayfield and not leave the spot open and the cap room to, to grab a puck moving defenseman. No, um, I don't think he likes to leave anything to chance. You know, I think he did that once and, and he should consider himself lucky that it worked out being that Sebastian Ajo kind of took the spot this year and ran with it, you know, started with at, at points. He was quite bad later in yes. the season and then the playoffs. So it started with Robin Sallow, a little Dennis Chalosky, then Sebastian Ajo kind of took it and, and, and claimed it. Um, well stated from you, you know, there were, there were times where he wasn't good, but he was the best of what they had. So I, I don't think he wants to leave that to chance again. Um, so I, I I ultimately think that, you know, he wants to bring Mayfield back because he doesn't want to be even thinner. Um, but at the same time, they do need a puck moving defenseman, you know, covering the devils for such a long time. I've been actually wondering about the possibility of Damon Severson. Um, he's going to be one of the better UFAs this summer. Um, and I do know that the devils are possibly shopping his rights. So I do wonder if there's something there, you know, not too far from Jersey, 27 years old, good puck mover can put the puck in the net can distribute from the blue line. I do wonder. Um, so we'll see, but, um, you know, that's just, that's just my, my gut feeling. Uh, I do think that they need to address the, the defense though. And, and again, like, so hard to, to do all of this you know the cap's only moving up one million bucks you know like we said at the top of the show they still need a winger um you have to address that and is it pierre engvall you know frank saravalli uh he did this article where he projected you know some of the top free agent which is not very many top for you know quote unquote top free agents it's a very thin crop this season or this offseason but um Pierre Engvall was part of that. Are you really going to pay this guy four by four? Because that's what he was projected at. I, I can't. I, I have, I've had this, I, I'm playing um, my one of my beer league team for the summer. There, there's a couple Islander fans, strangely enough. Um, I think it's because they're college kids. But we, we were talking about that and uh, it, specifically, and I, I don't know about Engvall. You're not going to be able to get him on a short-term deal. And if you are, it's going to be very expensive per year. Four by four, or even four by three. They were really good. That line was yeah. really good together. Are you really going to bank on that? Is that something right. that you, you... A part of me... I guess you ride the hot hand. What's the alternative? You're going to overpay someone you don't know that also had... The fact that, of the matter... The fact of the matter is that he might be worthy of a four by four, right? If he goes somewhere else, someone might pay him that. It's not about Pierre Engvall. It's about handcuffing yourself and not giving yourself the ability to upgrade where it's necessary, right? Pierre Engvall was great. He he had chemistry with Brock Nelson and, and Kyle Palmieri. And that was a great line. You need to address the elephant in the, the room for the last five years. I understand they got Bo Horvat. I understand Matthew Barzell is now a winger, which Blue also did mention. Um, you still need someone to round out that line. Anders Lee can't do it anymore. He's going to be the next Josh Bailey, by the way. Okay. Ooh. It, it, it's Ooh. that's not my opinion. That's just what I see. That that's the discourse that I see. Fans are going to pin him as the the next guy. 
Well, what do you? Th- um, I mean, it, it is pausing on that for a second. I because that's <laughs> uh, that is spicy. Um, I do want to know your thought in particular. I know you're you're kind of voicing a theme that that you're seeing, but which is which is great, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. But do you see him as like? Obviously, he's different than a Joe Thornton in a lot of ways. But in San Jose, Thornton became this guy, even though he's really good. He was putting up points. And I think Lee had 28 goals this season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So if he can stay at 25 goals and be a third liner and be the leader, uh, especially as a a core guy, and we're going to speak about that in particular later, but can he be that, that type of player playing on the third line being a leader which is a lot yeah. more than what you see on the ice yeah um look at kyle Poso. kyle Poso plays on the fourth line for the buffalo sabers he's anders extremely lee. effective there and but anders lee is better than Poso at this point oh, no 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 100 percent. the analogy is can he be a leader in the bottom six yes absolutely yeah, so can, I don't th- I don't think absolutely that absolutely be a leader on the ice, off the ice in a in a bottom six decreased role. I, I have no doubts about that. I saw it in Kyle Ocposo. He did he did wonders last year as a leader for the Buffalo Sabres, and he also played really well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he scored. Did he get to yeah, okay, he got to he got eleven goals and twenty-eight points on the fourth line. You take that. Yeah, and I th- Ali has been better than that, right? I think he's a 50-point oh, guy. Oh, 100%. Or a 60-point guy. I don't know. Maybe the 60 is pretty high. 28 goals. I don't know how many assists he had. Maybe he only had 25. He's a 50-point guy this season. But, um, yeah, I, I don't mind that as for Anders Lee. We've 28 goals, of, 22 assists, 50 points. Yeah, nailed it. So, without even looking at it. Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mind a Lee Peugeot asterisk with Peugeot. Do you want to talk about him as well? Um, and a, uh, and a Wallstrom. I think that's an okay third line, frankly. It's your top six. And if you're going to include Engvall in that with um, on the, the Islanders version of the per- perfection line with Engvall, uh, Nelson, and Palmieri, they can recreate that, which... There's a part of me that just wants it, you know, go year to year. I don't really care how long they're they're tied up for. Um, I just I just want to look at the team year to year. Um, I know it's nice to to know the good players are locked up, and it sucks when a player stinks and they're locked up for too long. But it's nauseating, and it's like it's too much. You're in one summer thinking about two summers from now. Uh, other than you know, when it's a guy like Sorokin, you understand when it's Barzell or Dobson or whatever. You understand, but on a guy that you, it's a kind of a toss up. All right. He signed for three or four years. Who cares? I, I and maybe I'm done. Uh, I'm thinking through it out loud here. Maybe you just live with it and, and see what happens. Um, the bigger thing that's going to move the needle, as you said, as we've not said a couple of times and other shows and everyone's written about it is they need a top line winger. So as long as it gives you the room to do that, if you're going to move around some other money, mostly being, a, a Josh Bailey, because if if that's the case and Engvall gets four by four and you move Bailey, you still have an extra million to deal with, right? Now you have a Parise to bring back and you have a Varlamov who will hopefully come back for 
two by two and a half or something to that effect um, down from his $5 million. So that you gain 3 million there. Um, there's, you know, our Martin and Sezik, uh, Martin and Clutterbuck going to come back. Um, can we see a fourth line of Parise, Sezikis and Fashing, um, which would be pretty cheap at the, at the end of the day. Um, so some, some moving, some moving parts here um, behind the bench. Lou said that he and Lane are under contract and that's how that will stay. Um, he did trip over a few words saying he kind of had some double speak there where he mentioned that the coaching, that Lane will be back and the, and the coaching staff will be back, but that maybe changes will happen. Or did you, did you catch some of that? Uh, it made it sound like maybe some like the power play coaches or assistant associate coaches maybe wouldn't be back as a complete staff. Maybe that's what Lamarol is getting, getting at. Uh, what did you hear versus what did he say? Yeah. So it sounded exactly like that. Yeah. The, um, he, he was, just, he was remaining <laughs> lane was remaining. Um, everything else was up in the air and, you know, him not, Committing to that makes me feel like there might be some changes. As you know, we've seen for a long time, the power play needs some serious help. Um, the penalty kill is actually pretty good, um, but for a long time, the power play has just been really shitty. So um, I do wonder about changes there. The defense was definitely different. I don't want to say worse this year, but it was definitely different. And I don't know if it benefited them. There was a lot of changes there. So um, I wonder if, you know, Doug Huda is, is um, you know, in question here. I, I think you just have to keep an open mind moving forward that there is the possibility that Huda and McLean might be um, on the outs here. And look, there's a lot of turnover going on right now around the NHL. Let's just say, for instance, and, and you know, I, I don't know how well this would go over in the back of Lane's mind, but. You know, I wrote about this um, for the, the Devils because Andrew Brunette is now the head coach of Nashville. But there are there are, are people around the league who have been here a long time and have had really great success behind the bench. Let's just say, for instance, the trend continues with teams wanting to hire these new coaches, these young bloods that, that are eager to get into the league and, and they bring these great impacts. That's excellent. I think that should continue. However, Bruce Boudreaux is still out there and available. I think that would be a pretty good idea to make him someone's associate. He has some serious hockey knowledge. He has some serious success. He has a serious resume. I think of all the active uh, NHL head coaches right now, he actually has the best winning percentage. Regular um, season, yes. In the playoffs, he is a lot to be desired. Which, which is why maybe an associate role is best, right? He has some really good ideas. He brings a, a, a lot to the table in terms of system. Um, he knows how to be personable with the players um, and, and, and gain their trust and their respect, right? So um, I, I think that there is options out there as far as upgrades, someone who can support Lane as a second-year head coach, um, even that much better. You know, you saw John Hines got let go from Nashville, obviously, and uh, Andrew Burnett took his place. 
Um, right now, I think he's in contention for the Ranger job with Laviolette. If one of those two guys doesn't get a gig, why not? Why not? You know, so there's there's options there. And, and I think someone, you know, I understand at the same time and in the same breath, someone might sit there and say, oh, Lane might be on his heels then thinking that his, you know, his successor is standing to his left or to his right. I get that. But you can't think that way. Right. It's a business. You have to make the best decision for the team. And the best decision for the team might be bringing someone who's been there, done that and, and get this guy some help. Because I, I look, no disrespect to, to Doug Huda, no disrespect to John McLean. I just don't think that they were it. I mean, it's it's very clear that they, there were some issues there. And I think it's interesting to to bring in some truly some new voices if it's not going going to be Lane Lambert as that new voice. And that was what we heard last year that he was going to be, quote, someone new uh, behind the bench, even though he had been there. It'd be interesting to kind of surround him with additional experience. And, and you're seeing with other teams how successful like the Devils were this year with Burnett behind behind the bench and then he immediately becomes a coach um you don't want a current uh, a constant carousel of coaches in and out because they're too good and you can't you know do anything and that was one of the reasons it sounded like that lambert was promoted was because they were going to lose him and he was an ass clearly an asset to the team i think it's still up in the air as far as um letting letting trots go in that mutual i guess breakup there now that he's um, clearly in a spot that he wants to be in in Nashville that Barry Trotz is general manager. Um, is he the president and general manager? I can't remember. Anyway, he's in Nashville and has his guy in Andrew Burnett. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's a really good question to ask to see how they can round out that coaching staff in in a way that actually benefits the team in in more ways than um, maybe that we're thinking, you know, we we saw some kind of breakdown this season where they, they couldn't focus before games and things like that. I, I think there was a huge communication leadership problem and that comes from behind the bench. Um, and it, a lot of that is on the players themselves to kind of get up for it. You'd, you'd think that they are just professionals. They can just show up every day, but everybody needs encouragement and all that kind of stuff. And you need your leaders to be leaders on the ice and behind the bench. So maybe it wouldn't hurt to have some good experience back there and and maybe a different way. Lane's been around a long time, but I think Bruce is an interesting player, uh, uh, a character rather to, to kind of insert into the honors organization. Yeah. You know, Um, the thing, the thing is again, like you want true, New voices, bring in somebody brand new, brand spanking new. And that doesn't mean that Lane has to, you know, lose his voice. That doesn't mean that Lane has to, um, you know, give up his share of the responsibility. It just means new ideas, something different. Yeah, and they st- they definitely need that on the power play at the very least. So whoever comes in, um, maybe it's a former player. Maybe I, I don't know what... Um, what really goes into that as being an associate coach and what other aspects of the game that they're, that they're running. But I think as far as the offense and the power play go, they could really stand to, to have a new voice and kind of maybe inspire these players to, to play a little bit differently here. Um, yeah. We're going to wrap up the first half here with Alexander Romanov and Oliver Wallstrom. Um, sounds like Romanov had surgery and is 
going to be ready for camp. Uh, Wallstrom is also going to be ready for camp. Um, and the way that he was speaking about Wallstrom made it sound like he's pretty confident that a deal is going to get done. Is that what you kind of concluded from that as well? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I, I think Wallstrom probably understands he can't command that much um, given, you know, he got injured, given that he had his um, growing pains the season prior. So there is probably that that feeling of, OK, I'm rested. I'm recovered from a brutal couple of years, you know, not just personally, but overall, Um you know, he did say and he was very confident in his exit interview um, back in April about how he felt revitalized. Uh, he learned a lot. He matured a lot in this process of healing. Um, he, I could see him saying to himself, I'm going to bet on myself this year. And look, he might be right. You know, it, there was something about the way he was talking about it being a blessing in disguise that he got hurt. Um giving him that time to reflect on himself as a player and, and what he needs to do to better himself. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a motivated, revitalized Oliver Walsh from come out next season on a prove it contract and score, you know, what I've said for a couple of years now, he's got a 30 goal potential. I, I could see it. So he's got um, a lot of work to do. Oh, no, he, think, 100%. You know, positionally and defensively, I think it just because he can shoot well and, Look, he played 37 games and he had five goals. Um, yeah, right. You know, it's it has a lot more to do with and the guy's got a lethal shot. There were times. Oh, for look, sure. look, uh, uh, Simon Holmstrom, too many strums on this team. And in the honors history, I can't keep them all straight. Simon Holmstrom um, was another one where he had these flashes. But what did he have? 10 points, 14 points, something like that. You have to find a way to do something consistently. If you're going to be a, a, a half a point a game player, do that, right? Don't don't just don't show up for ten games in a row and then you're a ghost for thirty and you had fifteen points in ten games and then you, you you disappear. I don't really care that you had fifteen points in ten games. If you can't do it on a regular basis, it's irrelevant. And that's a you know that's a pretty good clip, better than a point a game. Um, but go you know a quarter of a game quarter of a point a game player is uh, unless you're on the fourth line doesn't matter and Holmes uh, Wallstrom has aspirations to be much higher in the lineup than the third line but like I said I think Lee Pajot Wallstrom would be a pretty good third line he'd have his guy in front of the net he'd have someone defensively uh, reliable in Pajot and they'd get um, I think as I said a couple of years ago, you and I had this conversation about Wallstrom. It was probably going into this season, maybe about him being on the first line, or maybe last season, uh, two years ago rather, um, about him playing with Barzell. And I said, my biggest knock against Wallstrom is he doesn't have a lot of experience and playing with a guy like Barzell means he's playing against the other team's top defenders and defensive forwards. So that's probably not a recipe for success. And you saw him not succeed in the top six anywhere. So keeping him down further in the lineup, getting, get some confidence, get some reps, get your 15 minutes a night, whatever you're going to get and do something with it. Prove that you can move up in the lineup, score some power play goals, get your, get your cookies on the power play, earn that spot. Um, hopefully the coaches see that you're shooting the puck and you're shooting well. And it's, you know, the goals are going to come 
but you got to do it. You have to show up. Um, and, and, and six points in whatever 30 something games is not going to cut it. He, he didn't show enough outside of those moments when he scored a goal to say, wow, okay, this guy's going to be something. And to me, he, he didn't show it. So he's got some work to do. Um, we're going to step away for one second and it'll be right back with, uh, with a couple more segments here. I know we're about an hour in, but we'll be back on the other side. Nassibin Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpma.org. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. So I want to talk a little bit more about the Islanders offseason, but in a general sense. I think we'll wind up getting into some specifics here. But looking at the, the, the playoffs this year and the teams that made it, and I assume you've been watching the final, it's been nasty. Yep. And it's a copycat league. I'm sure if you listen to any amount of shows, you you will have heard that um, from from other folks as well. And, and I think it applies here. Um, with how tough the playoffs have been, are the Isle are the Islanders really built for that? I have a I have a thought, or because mm. I think this is complicated and nuanced. And without looking at my notes that I have in there. Um, what do you think truly like? Yeah, not- I, I, I think so. I, I absolutely think so. You know, this is, I, they're built for the playoffs. This is what we've, we've said all along. They're built for it. They're not necessarily, necessarily built to get there, you know? So, um, look, if you're taking the team that was this year, right, let's say they got this deep into the playoffs, would they be able to hang with how nasty it's been? Yeah. You kidding me? Cal Clutterbuck will go out there with no hands if he has them chopped off somehow and and find a way to take your skate off and beat you with it. Like, it's not, it's not a question. Um, you know, Casey Zekas, Matt Martin, like those guys, are they're all playing. They're all on the fourth line still um, if you're using this year's roster, right? Hudson Fashion, I think he has it. J.G. Pajot, I think he has it. If Oliver Walsh was healthy, he's got some snarl. Um, he could be a Matthew Kachuk. He could maybe be, not, you know, maybe not, not quite a hundred points. Let's not but... get clipped here and 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 have this clip go viral for being quote unquote stupid. He has the essence of what Matthew Kachuk brings to the Panthers. I okay, he I is not that. Matthew Kachuk 2.0. Yeah, um, and that was not my intention. That was the rest of my <laughs> that was essentially the rest of my thoughts. So I appreciate you you read my mind a little bit. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, you know, he has that 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 snarl in him. So um yeah, I, I absolutely think that they have it in them to, if they could get this deep in the postseason, play like that because I think that fits their style. So I'm going to, this is where I want to dive in 
Uh, so I'm really happy that you kind of led me right where I thought you'd lead me. I think that the the team has some work to do on the edges. You you need to figure out your bottom six. R. Martin and Clutterbuck coming back, yada yada yada. I think regardless, I think Parise brings a little bit of that bite too, and he, obviously he can score goals. I think Fashion can do that, as you said, Lee and Peugeot, and uh, I think there's plenty of players that can that can do that. And maybe you do keep one, or if you can get rid of uh, Johnson, you can keep one or both of Clutterbuck and Martin around uh, if you can afford it for these types of instances. But what I will say is I think this team is built for later in the playoffs. So round two, three, and four. They need some of that scoring to get themselves out of the first round. Because what we saw, if you go back and look at those first round series in um, against the Penguins, against the Capitals, and against... Oh, God. Was that Boston in the first round the following year in mm-hmm. 21? Wow. Anyway, we're, we're, when at, whoever they played, they scored a lot of goals in those first round series. They were they played very well defensively, but they were able to score goals. The later it went on, the less goals they scored. And it's because the game gets the players are tired. The game slows down a little bit. Every single game, you get further and further into the next round, into the next round. Everything slows down. It gets tougher. And ultimately, if the Islanders can get out of the first round is when I think they can actually go and run with it. Right? They can do what the Panthers just did. But And, and Carolina, look, they, they were able to score goals in that first round and make it out, but they couldn't really play that tough game. And hang with the hang with, ultimately hang with Florida. Yeah, I, mean, I think that was a closer it, series, and and to somewhat to Brendan Moore's point, although he did say we didn't really get swept or whatever he said, um, you did and you lost and it's whatever. But the same with the Islanders got swept by Carolina a few years ago. It's just it is what it is. But ultimately, Florida was able to wear them down in certain ways, and that's what I, the Islanders did a few years ago. They wore these teams down, specifically in that Tampa series, where they weren't able to score goals, but they were able to kind of chip away and really get within one shorthanded goal of of at least one cup final. Um, and, you know, game six, that's a close series. Um, so I think that Carolina Panther series was closer than what the 4 said, which is probably what Brennan Moore should have just said, but... Yeah, I that's I think where too, that's where I think with this team that's like they need to be able to get out of the first round, which means they need a little bit of being a better regular season team. Carry that into the first round, score some goals, get a save. Then the rest of the way, I'm confident. I'm, I'm much more willing to kind of say, OK, this the roster, even with another winger, a puck moving defenseman. That's it. Like, it, yes, those are kind of big asks. But you're not asking to completely retool his team at the moment. I think, too, and, and I can't take credit for this. I heard it somewhere else. I just can't put my tongue on where. Um, you know, there was a good point made that if you go back X amount of years, it had to be it, – it was a while. Um, no, no Stanley Cup winner uh, didn't have at least one round in the playoffs where – they didn't necessarily have quote unquote easy games because there's no easy games in the playoffs, but they had a round where it ended in like four or five. 
Um, they dominated that, you know, that series uh, and they got the proper rest. I think that's really important, you know, when, when observing the history of the playoffs versus who's winning now. You look at, you know, the Panthers, they won in four uh, against the the Hurricanes, right? Now, are they winning the cup right now? No, but they had that series where they won four and they got to the dance. So I, I think that's important to observe. The, that's the that's is, been a that's been a problem for a lot of teams. That was a big problem for the Islanders sweeping the Penguins and well, having and that's my all point. that all that time off, and then they they wind up losing. Um, right. That that's my point. So you have to find that sweet spot where it's it's the perfect amount of time off, where it's just enough to recover, but you don't want that recovery to turn into rust. Um, you know, but at the same time, you you, you got to make sure you you get that rest because if you go from one seven game series to another seven game series to another seven game series. By the time you get to the cup, if you get there, you're gassed. And the other team, let's say they, you know, had a couple of days between, you know, the, the, the first series to the next and they're next up for you. And they're a little bit more well-rested, you know, that's where, although you can probably play that style of game that is so um, heavy and, and it is so physical, you, you're going to run out of gas quicker than your opponent. So there's a lot of factors like it's so it's so easy to to sit there and say like, oh, yeah, they could play like that. But there's so many more factors that, 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 you know, go into how to win this anomaly that is the NHL playoffs because anything could friggin happen. It's, it's actually crazy. I mean, you know, we're sitting here on on June 6th talking about a Vegas, Florida Stanley Cup final. Vegas at the beginning of the season, sure, sign me up. I could see them there. Uh, you know what? Not even the beginning. Sorry, midway through the season, yes, sign me up. I could see Vegas there. To say the Panthers were going to be there, to say the Panthers were going to beat the Bruins down three to one, albeit in the first round. Like the playoffs are such a like anything, anything goes. But there's so much that goes into the perfect storm that is winning the Stanley cup. It's just not as cut and dry as you might think it is. The Islanders and the Panthers have a lot of similarities. I don't know enough about the Panthers to like to, to say that. And I'm sure the Panthers might even be a little bit better. Um, Bobrovsky has been playing out of his mind up until the final. He did get pulled in game two. Um, sorry for the spoiler. If you've been, if you DVR that um, you're hearing this two days after, I believe there's game three is, at least the, the day that we're releasing this. Um, but the Islanders beat some really good teams on the way to on their runs. They also beat Boston. I think they were maybe a little bit injured, but not, not nothing terrible. If memory serves. Um, someone correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you won't hesitate, but <laughs> the, the, I think the Panthers also were able to do that on, yeah. on, on, on this run. I think Toronto, there's just no, there's just no bite to that game, and and the, and the stars don't show up, you know, and when it when it really matters, and that's why they're going through what they're going through, um. But yeah, they 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 looked like they made pretty easy work. In between losses was almost like a month. For the Panthers, they'd lost whatever the last game they had lost against the the Bruins. They lost game four against. Toronto and they just like didn't lose they you know they swept the next series took you know a week or so um and then before the final it felt like forever in between they had two losses in in six weeks it seemed like probably not that long but like in in a really long time and 
I don't know that the Islanders are quite that lucky, but on on their runs, but I think that that proves a little bit of a point with what you said. They they were able to kind of get through, and each of those runs, they, they didn't really when they made quick work of the Penguins, they didn't make it very far. Um, although they did beat the Capitals in five in in the in the bubble, uh, and then move on to beat, I believe, the Flyers. You know, man, um, all these years have just blended together. It's so hard to remember. Yeah, I only remember. Yeah, I remember there was a, a second round where it was the Flyers, and I think it was that first year in the bubble, only because you and I were at Oyster Bay Brewing, and you're we watching that game. That is that is true. We brought our, we got some Blue Line Deli. Yes, we did. And uh, brought it down the street to Oyster Bay Brewing Company and, and and watched the game. I believe they lost that particular one, but they did win the series. Thomas Price to the rescue. Um, this has been a big topic with Toronto and now Dubis and Pittsburgh, and we're not going to get into, into that, but I'm going to make it about the Islanders. Um, a lot's been made of the core four. That's been a lot of the conversation. Dubas getting to Pittsburgh, talking about Latang, Crosby, uh, Mike Sullivan as the coach, and uh, Latang and Malcolm, whatever. The, the, the four of them, the Leafs, blah, blah, blah. Can they keep them together? Who are the Islanders' core four? And beyond that, is this the last run? Like, is this the truly the last gasp for no players that we've been really holding on to? And I'm not talking about Barzell necessarily, but maybe thinking a little bit beyond that to like a six or seven that includes like a Nelson and a Pelic and a Pulak and an Anders Lee, as you alluded to a the little core bit. Four, the core four is, is simple. It is Barzell. And it is Horvat because their eight-year deals kick in. It is Brock Nelson because he's your most consistent player uh, with elite talent. And it is Ilya Sorokin. Dobson Those not are, in that mix. Dobson is not in that mix. If you can only pick four. Is he part of the core? Yes. Is he part of the core four? No. As not the most right important now, anyway. players to the Islanders. Most important players right now are... For, for overall success, Barzell, Horvat, uh, Nelson, and Sorokin. We've seen we've seen the Islanders be successful while Noah Dobson hasn't been. They just did it. I mean, we've also seen the team make it to the playoffs without Barzell. Uh, yes, but that's because they had uh, Bo Horvat. If they didn't have Bo Horvat, they would not. They would not be there. And and I I understand I can... Bo Horvat was not scoring however he did ev- literally everything else right someone's got to do it and without him being there Brock Nelson maybe doesn't score as much as he does um maybe Pierre Engvall doesn't you know find that lightning in a bottle Paul Palmieri you know so there there's in my opinion no Horvat Islanders do not have the success they do um look Barzell's the highest player the highest paid player on the team He's got to be, he's got to be part of the core four. He has to perform. I think that's kind of where I, that's 
I would have put maybe Dobson in over someone like Nelson just because he's younger, but I understand your argument here for that. And thinking, so thinking a little bit wider beyond just four players, like I said, maybe you include Dobson, Pelican, Pulak, and Anders Lee in that. You said that this wasn't the last gasp for this group. Why, yeah, why do you th- just say, it- I mean, you could trade anybody. It's that's I don't I don't buy that as an excuse just because of contracts. So I want to okay, know. So there's, got, there's got to be another reason. This maybe maybe I'm hearing the question wrong. I, I I'm saying this is not the the way I hear that is. Are they going to blow it up? Is that what well, you mean? What uh, rebuild? I mean, blow it up is extreme. I I don't know. All right. So I, I for instance, I take into consideration um, what happened today, right? The Columbus Blue Jackets acquired Ivan Provorov. Um, you know, they shook things up, right? Can they shake things up? Certainly. I could see them at some point, maybe next summer, if, you know, things don't go the way they are uh, planning for them to go in 23-24. I could see them trading Brock Nelson, right? They're not going to trade. Now, They're that not would be like a shakeup to the core four. And that's and that's a, so. I mean, it, there's some crossover there. I think it's either four or somebody included in that larger group, mm. whether they're in the four or not, right? So it could be Nelson, it could be to whomever. We saw that. You know, I asked this question a little bit because we've seen Bailey, notwithstanding, as a core player, just because he really has not been that important to this team. Uh, you know, and since that playoff run where he had 20 points in 22 games, um. How how can the team ultimately move forward without doing something like that? And they did that with Bavillier, right? They moved on from a player that was part of what you thought the core was, oh, or the just outside of that ring of of the. And now that in these particular terms that we're that we're calling it now in the core four, because someone mentioned that to me. You know, we were going back and forth on on Twitter as you do um, back when I was, you know people were posting things about where the team goes and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I think we're just going to be back here next year with having the same conversation. Then they're going to try to run it back. But at that point, you simply can't just say, okay, see you next April. Right. Because that's where, that's kind of right. where we were having that conversation after the, the, the lock of cleanout day is. Yeah. I mean, are we just not going to have the conversation? Like take the whole year off of the podcast. Great. Um, we don't have to write anything. I don't have to be on Twitter. I don't have to read anything. I don't have to watch the games. I'll see you after the first round exit next year. We won't have learned anything. And then we'll then the real party will start. Unless, you know, a, a major move or two notwithstanding. Um, even with that, is there a shakeup of some kind coming after this season if if they don't if they have another season like they just did? And I don't know how many more times yeah. you can say, oh, it was injuries and oh, this guy and this at a certain point. You can't just be like, oh, the last three years we've had a lot of injuries and we were on the road once. That can't yeah, be so, it, right? That's not going to work forever. Right. I, I 100% think that if this season doesn't go or 23-24 doesn't go as anticipated, um, you could definitely see a shakeup. Like I was, I started to say earlier, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they trade a Brock Nelson who is part of the core four that I just named um, because one – you know, he can net you something in return. But two, if it's not working, something has to change. They're not going to trade. I mean, you, you know, think Matthew, that. They're not going <laughs> to trade Matthew Barzell and, and Bo Horvat, who are 
going to have seven years remaining on those deals. It's not going to happen. Um, they're not and after the season. It. Nelson has one year left. Um, right. So and, it, and Lee will have two. Sense. Right. Yeah, I, I think at that point it's it's a little bit different. Pajdol has two years left after that. Um, depending on if the cap goes up at all, who knows with Gary Bettman. Um, it's going to go up a million this year. Who knows what they'll argue next year? It could only be two just because of who knows what. Um, yeah, I mean, after the season, I think is when, which I'm I'm willing to give it almost one more year. It pains me to say that. They just have to do something this summer. I don't. I don't think it could just be run it back and figure some stuff out around the edges. Right now, again, <clears throat> I understand what Lamorello said today. The generic response is the status quos. You just don't know. With him, especially, you just don't know. He says that today. He could wake up tomorrow to. Uh, email or text message uh saying so and so is available what do you think and you know maybe he pulls a rabbit out of a hat typically his time to shine is the trade deadline or leading up to it it's not typically in the summer but this year the ufa class like you said is very thin exactly and this this could be his time to shine this could be the year of the, the the off season of the trade rather than the sign because, you know, I, I personally, you know, the only unrestricted free agent coming from a different organization that I think the Islanders should go after if he gets there is Damon Severson. They need a puck mover. Make that happen. How? I don't know because he's going to command a bit of a bit of ch- uh, chunk of change. But I think that he's the only guy on the on the market that is worth looking at for them i do want to bring up one player i, I know we're getting late and you have you have a little bit of a schedule so I'll, we'll end on something mildly interesting here that i i think you have uh you'll definitely have two cents on alex de Bruncat. yeah i believe he's an rfa yep um there's some discussions out of ottawa that he, he either may not want to be there they might not want yep. him there he had a disappointing yep. season he had yeah, you know, 27 goals, 39, 66 points in 82 games um, off of so disappointing. A, a career high. I don't know. I don't know what the, the actual deal was. Maybe he's just not happy there. Um, maybe he's just not working. I don't know. He's nearly a point a game guy in his career, coming off a career high, 78 points in 82 games uh, two years ago now, two seasons ago. Is that somebody? Now, he he, yes. had, he had a four, $6.4 million AAV. Uh, coming off a three-year deal that he signed with the Blackhawks. Is that somebody? Yes. Again, as an RFA, you make that trade, you figure it out. Yes. And 40 we'll... goals twice. And it wasn't just because of Patrick Kane. You yeah, go I... get that guy. And by the way, who plays stylistically like Patrick Kane? Come on. Yeah. Matthew I, freaking I... Barzell. Go get that fucking guy. Yeah, uh, Debrinkat, Horvat, Barzell would be something. A hell of a time for Brennan Burke and, and Butch Goring to say every single night, uh, Debrinkat to Horvat. <laughs> but yeah, I think that name stuck out to me as somebody that you you figure out how to make that trade and you it might hurt. That might mean Wallstrom, a prospect and a pick. And he's an RFA. 
right? But you yeah. got to you got to clear that space somehow. You got to you know figure that out. Um, but he is twenty five. I think you. I think he's in a space where you you make that trade and you give up a little, kind of like yeah. Romanov, right? You kind of figured that out, and the Islanders. Um, I can't remember what their draft things. They don't have their own first round pick this year. Um, I don't know. I think you, I think you try to figure it out. Ottawa's on the up and up. Um, so it'd be surprising to me that they don't try to get something done. I can't, I didn't really read anything. I just know that to bring cat out of Ottawa is, is a thing that's happening or a thing that's being discussed. Potentially happening. Yeah. Potentially happening. Um, so I wanted to make sure to at least touch on that a little bit because it, that seemed like one of those trade moves that is almost like a signing because you need to, you know, I think as Lamarell tends to do, he, ha- he would have a deal in place specifically for a player like this. But as you said, former 40 goal scorer, um, had a quote down season after last year. It's not like the Islanders have a ton of prospects to give up, but it, I think if you go, the route of a Wallstrom or something like that. And that's what you do. I think that's completely worth it in this case. Um, he's, I think exactly what this team needs. It would definitely be one of the bigger signings. I know we just got Horvat, but a 40 goal scorer um, that didn't do it with this team almost 10 years ago. It seems like, you know, Anders Lee um, and Nelson, for that matter, it would just it would just be an enormous uh, an enormous ad, and it wouldn't be, for instance, trying to trade for somebody like Hoffman, who was on our list some time ago. That would be a depth move you make at the deadline. That's not a summer move. So there's you can kind of separate some of you can start to separate some of those guys, at least on our wish list anyway. Who you would want to sign now, trade and sign now. Who you would want to trade for at the deadline. Um, we've also talked about uh, Ehlers and uh, Kyle Connor um, out of Winnipeg. That could also be an interesting option, depending on what they need to give up. Um, part of me thinks you go with the Brinkat, frankly, over both of them because he's younger, even younger than Connor, um, and you have control over the the dollar amount. So you can give him a bridge. You can do whatever you want with the Brinkat. Maybe get uh, keep the years low AV high. See what see what happens getting to the island. Can he get back to that 30 plus goal pace that he was on for two seasons? Jeez, um, almost a, you know, he's over a point a game player in the uh, the shortened season, but that's that's still something playing in even playing in that central division. Um, any other thoughts as we as you wrap up here? No, just you know, <laughs> it's gonna it, it's gonna be interesting. I, it's hard to sit here and say that they're going to run it back again. It kind of feels like they're going to run it back. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of just going into this summer with an open mind. Like I, I, I don't take anything at face value anymore. You know, I hear, I hear what they say in, in the, in the press conferences. And I think I've, I've seen and learned enough now to, to know that sometimes um, or, or lots of times, I would say more than half the time, someone will say something on the podium and then do something completely different uh, just because it's, you know, things change and fast. We just saw it with Kyle Dubas. We saw Kyle Dubas say, you will not see me as the 
general manager of another team next week. And then two weeks later, president of hockey operations in the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. So things changing fast. He said what he said today could be different tomorrow. That's true. And he, he doesn't let Lamarol does not let doesn't show his cards. So who really knows what's happening until it happens? And we've said that a million times. Yeah. Um, let's wrap up this episode. Um, we'll see you again next week with um, two special guests. And we're excited to have this conversation um, with them and, and learn a little bit about it. They'll have, uh, I'm sure they'll have some interesting thoughts for us uh, a week after marinating on them. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Nassman Hockey. You can find James's work at NYI, and I'm sorry, New Jersey Hockey Now. <laughs> and at the fourth period, he's maintaining, uh, we'll see what happens with that. I know you're, you're cooking up some things there, um, yep. some radio appearances and, and whatnot. Um, so that'll be great. And make sure to check out Isles Fix. Um, I saw joe post before that he's going to do an interesting little thing about the loop presser so if you're listening to this on wednesday um go subscribe i think maybe you get a week free or something like that um go check it out sign up um definitely deserves your support uh, and get that newsletter throughout the summer catch up on all the news um, alongside nhp and all of your other favorite islanders media or whatever our equivalent of media is here at nhp uh james bring us home until next time all let's go islanders